0: 24 7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for swamp247.com. Blake, I guess, you know, there's not a ton of recruiting news. I know we'll get to a little bit in the second half, um, but we were trying to kind of figure out what to, what to talk about on the show today. And I guess kind of the news of the day is the Florida basketball team still. You know, I touched a little bit on the YouTube channel last week, just some of the, the different comings and goings from the program. Florida obviously has four transfers out of the program in Noah Locke, Omar Payne, Osayo Sifo, and Wes Glover. And then the, the newest news that we have is that Scotty Lewis will, in fact, enter the NBA draft. He's actually signing with an agent, so it's not one of those deals where he's going to be able to return. So all in all, you're looking at six transfers from the Florida basketball team on the way out. Sorry, not six transfers, but six departures. And um, I think at this point, Blake, it's pretty clear that you know Mike White's got some roster rebuilding to do.
1: Absolutely. And I think you're seeing that through the NCAA transfer portal uh, with the two additions that, that they've added in Brandon McKissick and CJ Felder. Um, you know, McKissick being, I believe he's a grad transfer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was pretty coveted. Florida is, is, I mean, they have other guys that we can get into later that they're even more active with through the transfer portal. It's crazy, man. I mean, Mike White and Dan Mullen are like the, uh, like the chief and staffs of the transfer portal for sure.
0: Yeah, they've, uh, they've been pretty successful, obviously. And I think <laughs> You know, Mike White, we, he's been a pretty good recruiter. Now, you can you can debate whether or not they've really recruited to a proper system or, or had enough of an identity in recruiting. But actually going out and, and taking care of the salesman part of things, that's something that Mike White really excels at. And um, whatever, whatever he's telling these guys, is working. And, you know, Florida had a lot of success with Colin Castleton coming in this year, a guy that I think probably wasn't really – that highly thought of in the transfer portal, but was a guy that, you know, Mike White had recruited as a high school player. So there was some pre-existing relationship. But you talk about these two new guys. I mean, Brandon McKissick's a guy that 17.2 points per game, kind of an elite score can kind of do it all uh, shoots the lights out from beyond the arc. So definitely a big addition. I think the question for me, you know, and, and I've talked about this a bit, how are they going to piece it all together? You know, because when you're talking about building a roster, Florida has, at least probably three openings, I think, depending on, you know, Colin Castleton has his name in the draft, but, you know, probably comes back. Florida's really going to be relying almost on, you know, not just one or two transfers like a Castleton or a KJ Blackshear. At this point, you're talking about Florida's probably going to have a starting lineup that's made up of at least three transfers when you look at what's coming back. So I think, you know, when you you go and land these high-profile guys, these guys that are maybe coming from slightly smaller programs like UMKC uh, for McKissick, how do they go from being kind of the big fish in that pond to now all of a sudden you're just one piece in a roster. That's really going to be made up of probably we would think a couple of these more elite types, you know, CJ Felder's a guy that had 9.7 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game. You're talking about the potential for, I think a lot of chemistry issues to, to work through, I think, in terms of ego and that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they put it together, Blake. I, I think I've said this in the past, I think, given the the six years of work that we've seen from Mike White and kind of the consistency of the issues, it's hard for me to be too, too excited about these transfers. You know, obviously they're, they're big name guys, they're coveted players, but until we see them kind of put it together in a cohesive, you know, unit, it's hard for me to get excited.
1: You know, and I think that's just the lay of the land with the basketball team in general, you know, even if there wasn't those six departures for the team, I still think that there just wouldn't be a ton of excitement around the program. I think, if you wanted to find a silver lining, having some new faces and kind of the unknown of, you know, being on the positive side of things, you know, because like you said, you know, a guy like McKissick, who was pretty coveted, you know, was a, was a, a big fish in that small pond. Will will the, you know, the wheels turn at the same level at a bigger, you know, an even bigger pond like Florida in the SEC and, you know, a chance to where you're not a team that's trying to make the NCAA tournament, but trying to continue to get past that second round of 32 or, you know, even farther through the program. So I think that those, that intrigue of some of these guys and, you know, will they mesh together through the season, I think is maybe a little bit more on the positive side than, you know, if those guys didn't leave, just because I think no matter how you look at it, I just don't think there's going to be a ton of excitement around the, the basketball team in general.
0: No, I think, and that's a good point. You know, you bring in a guy like Kawasi Reeves. He's he's obviously a very, very talented player. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, fans don't really, I think you go into next season, you know, I hate to say it, but it's almost a, here we go again, mentality going in and, and really the challenge for Mike White and the Florida basketball team is to somehow flip the narrative and I think the only way you do that, right, at this point, you know, going into year seven is you win and you win big. So Florida's got more work to do in the transfer portal. I know, uh, you know, we've written about a couple of the guys that they've been in contact with. Uh, forward Noah Gurley from Furman is, is one guy that Florida's in the final eight for. He'll make a decision this week. He's expected to talk to all eight of his finalists uh, at some point this week on, on Zoom calls before making that decision. He's another guy that gives you a lot of versatility. He's a six eight forward you know, 15.4 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, can stretch it out to the three-point line where he's a 34% shooter. So, you know, Florida's got some options. I think you're going to see a roster that athletically can definitely get it done. I just – I continue to harp on what does it look like from an identity standpoint. And, you know, when you're bringing in transfers, you know, not only are they trying to get used to the coaches and the new system, um, but really you you do not have as much of a background in what your team's going to look like. You know, when you bring in three- to four-year players – and you've seen them as a freshman, and a sophomore. You kind of know their strengths and weaknesses. Right. Mike White's really going to have to adjust on the fly as they get these transfers in, and he figures out really what they can and can't do.
1: And that just doesn't sound like that's an ideal situation at all. I mean, when you said that inside, I'm kind of like, Ew. yeah, yeah. It's
0: uh it, but it'll be interesting. You know, I, I don't really want to talk about basketball too much. I feel like we've, we've kind of killed the topic to death over, the, you know, the last little bit, and you know, we'll certainly talk about it more. As Florida kind of finishes out the roster, but uh, Blake, one one thing that'll be interesting to watch tonight is uh, Andrew Nemhard will be playing in the national title game. So, you know, some of these guys end up transferring out, ended up having some success.
1: Yeah, I think I, we were talking about it even before we shot. I, I mean, for the most part, I mean, you can give credit to Mike White on the one thing is that you know those guys that do leave the program. You know, I don't think very many of them had this ton of success. I, you know, there was obviously Nim Hardy's playing in the, you know, the title game for Gonzaga. Um, I mean, a great team. They have a chance to go defeat. The, you know, the whole season undefeated. Um, and Texas Tech was the other one. i yep. the names escaping Brandon me. So there. I mean, there's not a lot of names out there that you know that they if they transferred that they you know didn't go out and have this you know Buku kind of you know success there. So, you know, I mean. I think a lot of Florida fans, you know, it's always, you know, a Florida forever type thing, and you know, I'm sure they're pulling for an for Andrew Nimhart. I'm certainly pulling for Gonzaga just because, I mean, the chance to see a team go wire-to-wire wire undefeated, you know, that's always something special, so I'm definitely pulling for them. Well,
0: and, the, and the other thing about that is, you know, you look at some of the guys that are transferring, uh, apart from Noah Locke, none of them are real, you know, ace contributors. You know, Osai Sifo, a couple minutes here and there, you know, but you never really saw upside past that, I don't think, in his one year at Florida. Quez Glover, a little bit of a turnover machine, probably just doesn't have the skills for the SEC level, unfortunately. And um, so, you know, some of that roster attrition is natural, and it's something that it's not unique to Florida. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams out there having a lot of transfers. I just think, um, you know, the issue is a lot of teams that have a lot of these transfers still have a set identity that they're kind of building towards, and I, and I'm not sure right. I see that from Florida.
1: No, I don't like, either.
0: Let, let, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on pro day. I know I've talked about it a little bit, um, but I, I guess first off, just off the cuff, was there anything that really jumped out at you?
1: You know, I know obviously, you know, Kyle Pitts comes out and he has, you know, the workout he had. I, I think everyone expected that from him. You know, it kind of backs up, you know, Uber athletic, you know, has the production. I mean, he submitted himself as, you know, easily, you know, a top five at the you know the least to me you know i mean that's that seems like that's you know kind of the bottom line for him so continued to kind of do what he did you know i think it's interesting to see kadarius tony continue to rise up you know the 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 draft boards if you will you know pulling out that 441 that 439 i mean that's the speed you see you know you expect to see from him, I mean, on the field, you see him leaving guys, you know, that clip in that South Carolina game when there's just all these players around him and he just jets through them. You can do so many different things with him. Um, you know, I, I think his broad jump was probably the most impressive number that I think I saw from him, you know, just throughout yeah. the entire thing. But a guy like Trevon Grimes, I mean, six foot four, 220 pounds and pulling out, you know, a four, five, one and a four, four, nine. That's a big body receiver that can move. You know, I mean, when you look at those types of receivers in the NFL you know it's obviously it's turning into more of a passing league continues to turn more and more into a passing league with just how you scheme around guys and how athletic guys are now in the game but a guy that big that can move you know I heard a comparison and he even said that he kind of compares himself to Chase Claypool I thought that that was a really good comparison there Um, you know I thought he had a really impressive uh, workout there you know I think he's kind of the forgotten guy you know I mean a former five-star player I mean everyone you know, coming out of high school, I mean, he was a dude, you know, and you see him go through the transfer portal, you know, you've got all these guys, you know, the Van Jeffersons, you've got Kyle Pitts, you've got all these weapons that Florida's offense had around. And, you know, and he's kind of the forgotten guy, you know, obviously, he was productive enough, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, he was completely forgotten. But when you see those numbers there, those really jumped out to me a guy that big that can move like that. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, seeing to Daryl Slayton, um, you know, pulling out a 40 time that was, you know, pretty close to, you know, to Kyle Trask. Yeah. I think yeah. a big guy like that at 330 pounds was impressive to see him move like that. Because, I mean, this was a guy that coming out of high school, some people were looking at him as an offensive guard, you know what I mean? And those guys aren't really known for being Blazers. So, you know, that basketball background that he had too coming out of high school, I thought was impressive. Um, Marco Wilson with that vertical jump. I mean, he, I mean, he was jumping out the gym in there. So, I mean, that was impressive was too. I mean, he was just really Athletic guy, and I think that he did struggle, you know, quite a bit. he Had that up and down career, but whenever you see those numbers like that, I think that's going to perk up the, you know, you know, some of those NFL scouts. I mean, they look up and they're like, "Wait, what did he do?" So, absolutely. you know, that was some, impressive some as well. Sure, absolutely.
0: And I'm glad you, so, you know those are the really
1: ones that jumped out to me.
0: I- I'm glad that you mentioned Grimes because uh, in the the video I did talking about, you know, pro day and kind of my thoughts on it, I somehow completely forgot Trey Grimes. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that's really going to impress in an interview setting too. You know, very very personable guy. Um, I think you know. Like you said, I think when you talk about that kind of frame and really pretty good speed, you know, I mean, who knows how quote-unquote official those times are, but, you know, relative. I mean, if they're close, I
1: mean, even if they're close, that's still impressive. It's
0: really impressive. So, you know, he's a guy that I think, to me, is kind of just scratching the surface of his potential. You know, I, I think, like you said you know, Florida had a lot of other weapons. And so in terms of actual game reps, you know, we didn't see a ton of what Trayvon Grimes could do other than last year. And, you know, last year his numbers were really, really good. He was right up there in terms of, you know, touchdown catches with both Kyle. I think Bitts he was and,
1: fifth in the SEC, yeah, I, I mean, think, so that looking.
0: Very, very productive oh, player. and um, I don't know. I guess, uh, Blake, do you, was there anything that stood out to you in a negative way?
1: Um, you know, in a negative way, uh I'm trying to think. I mean, pro day is pretty cut and paste. Yeah. You know, I mean, kind of looking at Kyle Trask there, you know, he seems to be falling down some of these draft boards. And I think whenever you look at a guy like that, that, you know, he's really accurate with the football, you know, you see some of the other guys in there, you know, it's, it, I just don't know what he could do. You know, I guess if you just kind of the lack of, you know, even I I saw a story that you wrote on Swamp 24-7 about how his teammates are stunned of, you know, the lack of draft buzz that he's getting in general. So I think, yeah, I mean, in a negative way, I don't know that he did anything to really continue to rise himself up those draft boards. You know, I don't think he had a bad, you know, I don't think he had a bad workout. You know, I think that. It was just
0: kind of what you would expect.
1: It was what you would expect, you know, and I think whenever you see guys like Justin Fields, um, you know, the quarterback from BYU, Zach Wilson, um, you know, when you see those kind of workouts and what those guys are doing, I mean, those are some wow workouts. So I don't think that he quite put that up there. But, you know, I, I think I read a story too that, uh, you know, the Saints were looking at Kyle Trask as, you know, kind that, of that replacement. That oh, fans. I bet you would, yeah, as a Saints <laughs> fan. I, I would not like that as a Bucks fan. That would crush my soul. Um, but, you know, I, I think whenever you see that fit, I think that that would be a really good one for Kyle Trask because I think he did a lot of good things. I mean, he'd have a weapon, you know, plenty of weapons around him too. Um, but, you know, I, I think just – I don't think that he did enough to continue to rise up any of these draft boards. You know, I I think he's a great player. I think when you look at what he did there, I think he does a ton of things great, but I just don't know that he really had that wow workout. That's going to just, you know, get him the buzz that he's just not getting.
0: No, I think, and I think that's the right way to, to, to pretty much explain it. You know, I talked about with Kyle Pitts, his pro day really could only invite downside because, you know, you're expecting him to turn in those really, really impressive right. numbers. And, you know, he went out and did it. So he didn't, you know, he, he kind of cut off that downside. Whereas, you know, with Kyle Trask, I thought maybe a little bit on the, on the flip side, had he shown up and, and run say, you know, a four eight or a four seven or something where you're like, Oh really? Like maybe he's right. more mobile than we thought then maybe he could have elevated. But I, you know, I think like we said, it just, it was kind of what we expected from him. And I think the biggest thing for Kyle Trask going forward He's just got to find, like you said, an NFL team that kind of fits him from a system standpoint. And I think you look at what Drew Brees did, you know, Drew Brees was never a super mobile guy. Wasn't even a tall quarterback, you know, Kyle Trask at least can see over his line. And like we said, he, he moves really well in the pocket. And so I think if you can get him in an offense like that, you know, where you've got you know, a weapon, like an Alvin Kamara to kind of slow defenses down, get, get them on their heels a little bit. So they can't just fully pin their ears back. I think Kyle Trask is a guy that's going to have a, a terrific NFL career and you know, even if he's not elite level starter, I think he's going to be a guy that you can count on to go in, take care of business and, and win games, you know, to me at least.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, I think it's kind of unfair just because you look at the numbers he did. You know, we've talked about it plenty of times, just the touch he has on his throws, the accuracy he has with his throws. I mean, he's some of those throws he makes. are. I mean, those are elite big time NFL throws, right? And it is unfair, you know, I mean, to sit there and say, you know, for me to sit there and say that I just don't think he did enough to continue to move up those draft boards. But, I mean, he just I, I guess it just wasn't one of those wow type of workouts. I, well, mean, it was, it just, it, I mean, it was the definition of Kyle Trask. He comes in yeah. and he does what you expect him to do. You know, he doesn't make a big scene. He doesn't – you know, I mean, it's just it's, – it's the definition of Kyle Trask. And, I, and again, I think he's going to be a great player in the NFL. I don't it's know if that's going to be the starting letter. Too. Right, and, 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 you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I guess if that was the negative side, you know, just – There just wasn't really a lot of negatives that came out of the pro day. So I guess I'm being a little nitpicky, but if I had to think of one, that would be it.
0: Okay, well, Blake, let's take a quick break and we'll come back. I wanna, I know there's not a whole lot going on right now in terms of recruiting, but I wanna kind of set the stage for the next few months. Florida made an additional hire in its recruiting department. I wanna get you to talk about that, but let's take a quick break and we'll be back right on the other side.
2: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
0: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to get into recruiting a little bit just because that's kind of the lifeblood of Swamp247.com. That's what all of our hardcore subscribers and fans want to hear about. And we haven't talked about it a whole lot lately, obviously, because not much has gone on with you know a year-long dead period. But that does look like it's going to end uh, coming up in June. I know Florida's already scheduling some official visits. We'll get to some of their strategy in terms of all that. But first, I wanted to talk about the new hire that Florida made. Uh, They hired Corey Bell, I believe, as an assistant director of player personnel. Correct. And he's a guy that was at Florida for a year in 2017. I guess, Blake, uh, some Florida fans may be familiar with him, but many may not. What uh, what does he kind of bring to the table, and and what is that role going to ask of him?
1: You know, he's, he's got a lot of experience coaching around the state of Florida, you know, at the high school level. It's a funny story. You know, he was actually committed to Florida coming out of high school himself. Um, they were going on probation that year or facing probation at the time. Um, and he, you know, changed his mind and decided to go to South Carolina. So, you know, it's kind of full circle. He was a cornerbacks coach previously at Florida um, under Jim McElwain. Um, you know, whenever that staff was, you know, pushed apart um he ended up at, at <clears throat> excuse me at UCF uh with Randy Shannon um so Corey is a kind of guy that he has a lot of ties to the South Florida area you know he he was a big part in that uh, defensive back class I think it was the 2017 class where Florida landed you know CJ Henderson uh Brian Edwards Marco Wilson um Sean Davis um you know some other guys um you know I mean it, it was a really big uh uh Brad Stewart was another one there um So, I mean, he was a big part in those kind of guys down there. You know, maybe not all from South Florida, but a majority of those guys came from the South Florida area. So, you know, South Florida is loaded in the 2022 class. You know, it's loaded in the 2023 class. It's an area that Florida has continued to try to get their feet in. You know, you've got a guy like John Heron, um, who's currently on Florida's in the recruiting staff as another assistant director of player personnel, who also has a lot of South Florida ties. So, you know, it's another guy there, Tim Brewster, who's on staff at Florida, has a ton of South Florida ties, who also is recruiting Miami-Dade County for Florida. So, you know, you just continue to get some of those guys that know a lot of players, know a lot of people, coaches, you know, seven on seven coaches just have so many ties down there. And it just adds another guy to Florida staff where you want to continue to get that, you know, talent rich area. Um, You know, I think that whenever you've continued to get, you know, whenever you're going to continue to focus on that, I think just having another face there um, really helps. So, you know, he's limited in things that he can do. Obviously he can't hit the road. He can't go on in-home visits whenever those happen, but he's can still be in touch with some of these guys. He can still, you know, use his contacts to, you know, get film, you know, on a guy earlier on. So, you know, the thing with Florida is that you want to start to get out there and you want to offer earlier. You know, if you have a coach that's passing along his film to, you know, Hey, Corey Bell, you know, we've got a guy that's going to be a stud. Here's his film. You pass it on to coach and you, you know, kind of, you know, press for that getting out there in front early, you know, can really kind of open up more doors there, you know, and if you start landing some of these teammates on teams, just having more of a pipeline there can continue to, you know, get Florida's foot more and more in the door in South Florida. So, you know, He's coached at Miami. um, He's coached at Florida, FAU, UCF was his last stop. And I believe he was at USF as well. Um, So, He's got a lot of experience, you know, coaching around the state of Florida. You know, I don't know that he's ever coached anywhere else at the college level without looking, um, you know, off the top of my head. So, you know, I mean, he's a guy that's always been around the state of Florida. Um, he's already working hard, you know, already been in touch with guys like Earl Little Jr., who's a top 100 cornerback down there in South Florida at American Heritage, which is a school that churns out tons of talent. Um, you know, so I'm interested to see how they continue because, you know, whenever you see these types of hires, it just shows that Dan Mullen is continuing to put a priority on South Florida. And this is the cycle to do it because 2022 has plenty of pass rushers plenty of defensive backs so um it, it's it's a pivotal year down there for sure
0: yeah the thing I recall most about Bell from his one year and again that's not a huge sample size or anything but I, I remember thinking he was very good at developing relationships with prospects you know it was kind of that guy that you know no matter what it seemed like every recruit was kind of mentioning him when you asked about you know what coaches they're talking to on sure staff. And I mean
1: there was guys that were committed to Florida Tyreek Stevenson um, you know, obviously ended up at Georgia. Frank Ladson, who was a big-time wide receiver, who was committed to Florida, ended up at Clemson. So, you know, those were some guys that he was really pivotal in landing along with John Hare, and who was on the staff there too. So, you know, if he can get those kind of guys early on and commit to Florida and continue that, you know, because obviously when he left and was gone, those guys decommitted and right. went their own, you know, separate ways. So those are the kind of guys that you want to get on the board early, and I think that that's what Bell can help with.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's a good addition for Florida. I think, again, like you said, you continue to add those pieces. It really helps. And, you know, Florida needs an uptick in recruiting. They need to be able to keep a couple more of those top players from the state in the state of Florida at UF, uh, you know, and that's, that's not a Florida specific issue. That's something that Florida state and Miami have also struggled with in recent years, you know, in and, and in this era of college football, where you have the Alabama and the Clemson and Ohio state superpowers you know, even George is doing it too, to some extent, you know, they're able to come in and raid. I think, like you said, it it really comes down to the relationships and the, you know, building those relationships early on so that you have a constant presence. We were talking a little bit uh, earlier today with one of our old colleagues, Luke Stampini, and he said, he thinks, you know, that's kind of the perfect role for Corey Bell, you know, to be in that recruiting office and be developing those relationships, you know, kind of just keeping in contact with guys. I think sometimes that's an area where Florida staff has maybe come up a little short that they're not, quite as much in the ear of these prospects all the time, like some of these other programs are. And I think when you add guys that are really passionate about recruiting, that love the state of Florida, that, you know, like to, you know, kind of express their roots in South Florida, I think you have guys, you know, like Corey Bell that can kind of keep those connections a little bit stronger.
1: Absolutely. And that's just like, he's, like I said, you know, 2022 class is a big time area for South Florida. 2023 is just as loaded. So, I mean, you want to continue to get in on you know, those underclassmen guys. And I think that Bell can be a help there.
0: All right, Blake, let's talk a little bit about what the recruiting calendar is going to look like going forward. I know there's not anything really immediate that's happening right now, but Florida is obviously planning on, you know, once things open up, whenever, you know, assuming that doesn't get pushed back again, what is, what is kind of the outlook for Florida in terms of how that's all going to play out with camps and official visits and all that?
1: You know, I'm not totally sure on camps yet. As far as I know, Friday night lights, which is usually the last Friday in the month of July is still on. Um, You know, I don't know about June camps. You know, they usually, they do a lineman camp, two two lineman camps, two seven-on-seven camps. They obviously have different day camps. I'm not quite sure what those are gonna be yet. I haven't heard any information on that, if they will or won't have them. I'm a little skeptic myself whenever you just see that those, you know, how those official visits are laying out there, and that's kind of hard to control what goes on in those types of settings. So, you know, official visits, um, it's being reported that, you know, that the end of May, um, which is, is when the dead period was set to expire anyways, is, is, you know, the month of June will be open for, you know, which they'll call a quiet period, which, you know, dead period means no contact whatsoever, whether it's, you know, going to stop by a prospect's high school, whether that's coming to their school, you know, etc. I mean, no, no contact. A quiet period means that you can't go, you know, in a spring contact period, you know, you could go by a school and you could, you know, watch spring practice and, so, you know, you can't have a lot of conversations, you know, you can kind of wave, hey, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, But a quiet period, prospects can come to you, whether that's an unofficial visit, official visit, um, which will be good because, I mean, it's been a little over a year now since prospects could get on campus there. So Florida's coming out the gate hot. You know, if that sticks with that dead period ending, June 4th weekend is already setting out to be a big, big visit weekend for Florida. Um, We're still a little bit of a ways out. So far, I have 16 guys on that official visit list, which is, you know, an impressive uh, visit list we're still a little bit of a ways out. You know, I think some of those visits could be counted as tentative um, just because there's still time to move things around, whether that's, you know, a guy coming back later on in the season um, to catch a game. You know, I think some of those guys, you know, one guy, five-star Jacoby Matthews, who's a safety down there and out there in Louisiana, he's been pretty set on deciding in December. So I think that, you know, him wanting to decide later, I don't know that it's a smart move to use that official visit in June. So I think that, I think that that's one that I wouldn't be surprised if it's moved back till later on. But as of right now, that's what he's saying. Um, so Florida's going to have a big week in there. So I, I think that it's it's going to be good because recruiting is very much a perception thing. You right. want to have big hype, and I think having all these guys together is a chance for all of them to bond. Florida's uh, quarterback commit uh, Nick Evers, you know, who's always kind of your bell cow of your class. You want those guys in the ear. You want them to get on board early so they can start recruiting guys. So he'll be there on campus to help along with the coaches, you know, and recruiting staffers and all those there. So having a big weekend like that I think is going to continue to bring a lot of hype. You know, you want to have hype in those weekends. You want to have guys roll out the red carpet, which I think it's, there's some trick to it because you have so many guys on campus Can you have a staff that can, you know, cater to all these guys? And I think that Florida has enough between their coaching staff, their recruiting staff, you know, all these other this, that's, that I think they have enough to where they can, you know, make all these guys feel wanted. You know, it's been so long since kids have been on visits that I think being on a visit in general is going to have these kids on cloud nine. You have all these player hosts that can be there kind of showing them around. And a lot of these guys have done virtual visits. Now you get to come back and you get to see things in person. So I think there's going to be a lot of excitement there. I think it's smart because a lot of these guys that are expected in that weekend, you know, even other weekends, you know, whether it's the June 11th weekend, June 18th, June 25th. I mean, they're going to have some guys on campus. Maybe not as much as the June 4th weekend, but you're going to have all these guys around each other too. You're going to have them there hanging out, other visitors hanging out with other visitors. And I think that that kind of camaraderie, is what can, you know, help mesh some of these guys together. And a lot of these guys are going to want to make their decisions, whether it's, you know, July, August before their senior season. So I think it's smart for Florida to use those visits in the summer. Some of those guys that are looking to make later decisions, I think you could kind of urge some of those guys to come back later on. Come back in you know in in this fall let's catch a game. You're making a decision later anyways. You can catch the swamp when it's rock. I mean there's so many things you can say to some right. of these guys. So, but for the most part, a lot of these guys that are expected in the summer are going to make summertime decisions or you know right there before their senior season.
0: It sounds like Florida's kind of going for the the initial impression approach. You know, as soon as things get open back up, Florida's the first school that these guys see, and hopefully that excitement can build some buzz and, and really right. start to get. And the ball I think rolling. it's
1: them trying to say. We want you really badly. We want you on campus the first chance we can get you there. And I think that that's the kind of the shock and awe they're going for.
0: Do, do you worry at all about that happening and being successful and then all of a sudden, you know, you can't use official visits? I know that a lot of, you know, a lot of guys in state can can get up here unofficially, but do you worry that, you know, as these guys start to take official visits, I mean, NFL teams are talking about full stadiums. I would expect at college if not full, they're going to be significantly increased capacity compared to what we saw last year do you worry that you might take away an opportunity to, you know, get recruits in there for a big game, you know, potentially on their official visit?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think so. I, and I think that's where it comes in for guys like Walter Nolan, the five-star defensive tackle, who at this point hasn't come out with a solid timeline for a decision. Could that be sometime in the fall or later to national signing day, or excuse me, the early signing day? That's a possibility. So I think a guy like him, I think a guy like, um, uh, uh, excuse me, Jacoby Matthews, who I mentioned earlier, Wanting um, those later decisions. Chris, McCle- Chris McClellan is another guy out there in Oklahoma. Um, and I White, I think, is one that is talking about later towards the end of the season. So, you know, that's one that I think that could be later in the season, could be right there before you know before his season starts. So either way, I think that if you have a guy that's going to make a decision in August right before their senior year starts or sometime in July or something like that, it really doesn't matter because they're going to have a decision in the books anyway. So I, it's always harder to flip a guy, in my opinion, than it is to land them outright. If you've got a guy right, committed, it's easier to hold up. on to them. You've got – you know, we've been here from the jump with you, you know, you've got so many things you can use in their ear. So if a guy is planning to make his decision anyways, I say use the official visit now, get it there. Whenever you've got a bunch of hype, you've got a bunch of guys there on campus with them to help, you know, kind of set that and blow the water out of the visit. If you've got a guy that's going to make a decision, I think that you should absolutely use it in the summer.
0: All right, Blake, um, before we go, can you give us kind of your overall look at the 2022 class? I know that Florida has landed its quarterback in Nick Evers, but Right now, sitting on five commitments, ranked 23rd nationally. Uh, When should Florida fans expect to see some movement, you know, and and what are you looking for to, to start to feel pretty positive about this class going forward?
1: Well, I always say that you look at your solid nucleus of your class right there before the season starts because you've got guys that make their decisions. You know, after some official visits in the summer, you've got some guys that, you know, make it before. Majority of the guys, it seems like the new kind of wave is that you want to make it before your senior season to get all the stress out of the ear so you can focus on football, focus on class, and all this, that, and the others. So I think that that's whenever you really kind of take a look and that's where you have your nucleus of your class. That's where you look at you. You know, this is the class we're going to roll with into the fall. We're going to continue to kind of hammer out some of these official visits. We'll hit the road. We'll scout some of these guys. Continue watching senior film. New offers can go out. You know, da 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 da. All those kind of things. But I think where you look at the class now, Florida's got their quarterback in Nick Evers, who I think is a really good player. I think he's really accurate with the football. I think that him last year was his first year starting. You know, at the varsity level, so he still has some room to grow. Whenever you watch his film, you know, he's got some Pat Mahomes-esque type throws where he's, you know, he kind of throws, I mean, throws pretty well on the run. You know, he does different things. I I would like to see him sit in the pocket a little bit more. I'd like to see him get more comfortable there. I think that's where he can improve. Florida's got a guy in Tony Livingston, a four-star offensive tackle, who played a, you know, a jumbo wide receiver type role. I mean, this was a guy that, you know, last year, early on in that 2022 cycle, he was listed as a tight end. Really athletic player. How does that translate to an offensive lineman? I'm really interested to see him. I think if I had to pick one guy you know, in spring football that I'm more interested to see than anybody else, it's Tony Livingston. I want to see him work out as an offensive lineman. I want to see how he moves and all those things because he's so athletic. And I mean, when you watch him play basketball, this isn't just a big guy who can dunk. I mean, this is a big guy that can move. So- I think he's very interesting as an offensive lineman because if you've got a guy that athletic and where I've, you know, sat here on this on this podcast plenty of times, say Florida does, needs to do a better job of recruiting offensive tackles. Maybe you know, sure, they've, they've recruited really well at, you know, the interior part of the line, centers, guards, offensive tackles, one where they need to go. And I think Livingston is a guy that if he can continue to improve, better years are definitely ahead of him. So, you know, you've got Francois Knowlton, who I think is, uh, you know, let me pull up six foot four, 225 pounds. Strong side defensive end, he needs to continue to beef up. But whenever I watched him at the Under Armour camp in Miami, he bends really well, he moves really well. So if you continue to get some front, some meat on those bones, I think he's going to be a player that, you know, if he continue to move like that, um, he's going to be interesting. And another interesting guy in Florida's class is C.J. Hawkins, the, the three-star tight end out of Tampa Berkeley Prep. He played – last year, I believe, was his first year of football. And he was – you know, if you look at his film, he has – he has some pretty impressive catches. You've seen some seven-on-seven seven clips of him. He has some pretty impressive catches. But he's really powerful at blocking. And I think you can see that he's not quite sure what exactly what he's doing there. You know, he's coming from playing basketball mostly, and last year was his first year of football. So I think he's a guy that has a lot of upside. I think he moves really well. I think he's another athletic guy that if Tim Brewster can get his hands on him, I think that, you know, the sky is a the limit there. So Florida's going to continue to have to build their class around these guys. I think wherever you start seeing the official visits in June, because right now, I mean, recruiting is pretty dead right now, man. Like, I mean, that's just where we're at right now. Where I think guys were starting to set up decisions, and then you hear the report of, you know, the dead period's coming to an end, June's going to be open up. You know, a perfect example was, you know, a guy like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, He was a wide receiver um, out of of Tennessee. He was looking to make a a decision. Oh, man, this is going to bother me. Sorry, I'm I'm scrolling away now. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm no help on that. And I don't follow her. Yeah, no, I, and I, I. Oh, as Isaiah Horton, I knew the name was blanking me. I had it on the tip of my tongue. He was a guy that was talking about making a decision early April, late March. Well, then the report of the dead period opening up came out. So now he's going to take a couple official visits. So March. I think that at this point, you've heard, you know, these guys have waited so long to take visits. You know, some guys have done self guided tours. Some guys, I mean, have not even taken visits at all. You know, just yeah. because if you didn't take a visit last March before that, you didn't get to get on, on the road at all. So I think now these guys are waiting on official visits. So I think that that's why things are so slow right now. Sure, I mean, you could have a guy that, you know, changes his mind, moves his timeline up, you know, and obviously we'll, we'll cover that when that happens. But I think now with the official visits looking like a June, guys are going to take those. So I think that after those, you could see guys, you know, talk about a timeline. You know, a guy like Terrence Gibbs, the four-star running back out of um, Winter Park High School there in Central Florida. He's planning on taking all five of his official visits in June and making a decision right after that, whether that's late June early July, something like that. So I think that's when we'll start to see things pick up. You know, guys are going to take their official visits. They're going to make decisions. They're going to, you know, whether it's sometime in the summer in July or right there early August before their senior season starts. So I think that that's when you'll start to see things pick up.
0: So what I'm hearing is you need to take a vacation in May and, and clear your schedule for June, July, August.
1: Pretty much, J- July is pretty much going to have a big X on my calendar there for for any time to take off there. So I'm already expecting that one.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Well, we appreciate the uh, the updates on Florida recruiting. Definitely will be fun to watch uh, as it starts to heat up over the next. You know, well, we got to get through the the dead period first, but uh, it sounds like right around the corner from kind of getting back to a little bit of sense of normalcy. So that'll do it for today's episode of the podcast, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. If you're listening on uh, one of the audio places that we put the podcast out, whether it's iTunes. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, be sure to leave us a positive review. If you want to watch us and see our ugly mugs on YouTube, uh, be sure to head to the YouTube channel and uh, make sure you like and subscribe on the video.